0: Hello, and welcome back to All Rings Considered, a read through the Lord of the Rings. We are on episode 31, if you care to know. Um, And the title of this episode uh, is Flotsam and Jetsam. And actually, I had to look this up this time. Uh, Flotsam, uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, is floating wreckage from a ship. So if a ship sinks and there's cargo in the ship and it floats to the top, but that's things that are un- uh, unintentionally discarded from the ship. And jetsam are things that are intentionally discarded.
1: Yeah, which I, I was looking this up too before the episode purely because I didn't want to sound like an idiot and say the wrong thing. But what does what is jetsam in this chapter? Not what it, the word means, but I mean literally what in this chapter was discarded intentionally?
0: I actually I don't know. Um, I was thinking about that a little bit earlier too. And like the first thing you think about is like, oh, is it the? I mean, is it the palantir? Uh, Ah, but that's see that happens next chapter. I thought that too. Yeah.
1: So I I have no idea. I think it's mistitled. titled. I have to give this chapter title a poor rating because it's inaccurate. But it can't be inaccurate. Like there's no way professional language expert J.R.R. Tolkien would have used the wrong word. You know what I'm saying? If you go
0: to the effort to use the word Jetson, you did it on purpose.
1: Yeah. Like, he knows what he's talking about. So, what's he talking about? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Weird.
0: Well, before we jump into it, uh, I'm on summary duty today. So, to give our listeners a recap, if you are following along in the book with us, we are in Isengard, and the Theoden's company has met up with hobbits and Thedon and Gandalf go to talk to Treebeard and some of the other Ents. And we are left with Merry and Pippin um, having a little afternoon lunch with the three hunters and then after they eat, the Aragorn presses uh, Merry and Pippin to tell them the story of what happened since they've been apart um, and we get a long description from Merry and Pippin um, about their story and we learn about how Isengard was taken and how the, uh, the Ents we're on the edge of Isengard, and the orcs marched marched out. Um, and then after the orcs marched out of Isengard, the Ents marched in. Um, and we get a story of how it was taken, and the the waters were opened up into uh, Isengard to quell it, or uh, quench its fires. Uh, and then the very end, you get a description. Oh, what about Wormtongue? Wormtongue also arrived at the Isengard after it had been taken, and he was allowed to go up into Orthanc. And that's uh, and that's how the chapter ends. Um, one thing I want to say right, just getting into it right away, is that uh, what's interesting about this chapter, Charlie, uh, is a lot of the narration is it's a story within a story, right? So you have the bulk of this chapter is what had happened, as told by Mary and Pippin, and I think something interesting about that is how the two stories were that we had been following were were very different, right? So you have this this myth of aragorn and theoden in this you know battle of helms deep and and such and then you also have mary and pippin's story um with the ents uh and these are very these are very separate worlds they even their relationship with each other is that theoden has heard stories when he was a kid right and the way that these two like larger than life stories are interacting are through these characters the hobbits that are that are closer to real people Right, And so hobbits are the bridging gap between these two giant larger-than-life ideas, these two big stories.
1: 100% agree. And we've seen the story within a story thing be done by Tolkien a lot. We've seen it in chapter 2 of book 1. We've seen it in the Council of Elrond, which was what, chapter 2 of book uh, 2. So it's come up a lot, but I hadn't made the connection that this is sort of the hobbits bridging the gap, right? Like that the hobbits telling the story this time is a way to connect the narrative threads i really like that
0: because it's kind of like how how like you you and i are where we have different myths that we hear from you know from all around the around the world now because of you know the yeah, but because
1: well, um, we're such world travelers I we have, are i have gone to the himalayas and i have collected these oral traditions and i've brought them back for you on this podcast
0: and i am so sorry for misplacing those but yeah, they haven't
1: shown up in any episode <laughs> yet, and that's probably your fault, right?
0: <laughs> but these uh, these myths—the way that they interact—is is in our brains, right? Like our actual physical, real lives are how those myths interact with each other. Hobbits mm-hmm. being yeah, and, and hobbits are often rep- like the representation of human beings, actual human beings.
1: Some of the, so some of the things I noticed: one, we get. You remember back when I—I I made the point that the company of the ring is not called a fellowship of the ring until that chapter title of "Breaking of the Fellowship," and it's not until they talk about it in the context of splitting up that it becomes a fellowship. Mm-hmm. But from that point on, it will be called a fellowship throughout. You see that one more time here, like Gimli in this chapter talks about the strange day when our fellowship was broken. Mm-hmm. So again, both things are present there—the uh, breaking breaking be uh, integral to the fellowship idea as well as just I mean still calling it fellowship like throughout the rest of the text now we'll see that come up a lot more so just further evidence that Tolkien knew what he was doing there did it deliberately I think also to confirm some of the stuff we talked about previous chapters uh, we do get our confirmation in this chapter that Treebeard knew all along that Gandalf mm-hmm. was alive yeah I was thinking about this and yeah when in that earlier chapter when I called out it's oh, interesting that Treebeard's kind of looking at them funny Pippin one of the two, Pippin or Mary you know, calls that out here. He actually says, you know, Treper did look at us funny when we said he was dead. Turns out he did know all along. So that's good. Good to know. Uh, I think we're on the right track of things here.
0: Um, we get a very clear biblical flood. You know, a great cleansing water comes and floods Isaac uh, Arden, mm-hmm. and afterwards there's a rainbow.
1: Water watch.
0: In the end, I was going to say this really, but uh, Wormtongue can't swim. Which, like, of course he can't swim. Right. Like... He's a coward.
1: Okay, but hobbits can't swim either.
0: And they're cowards. <laughs> um, okay. it's, well, I mean, you know. Wait, the, isn't
1: that the exact opposite? Aren't they the the bravest characters <laughs> consistently? <laughs>
0: but our hobbits are special hobbits, right? So they are hobbits that are being un-hobbit-like. That's true. That's true. You're right.
1: right. Yeah, that's true. Like Bilbo, Frodo, Merry Pippin, they're all Sam, of course. Okay.
0: Um. Fair enough, fair enough. I do have some, well, you know, we're on the topic of hobbits. Uh, there's this moment when they're having um uh they have tobacco uh this is before they're telling their stories Mm -hmm. and but gimli does not have a pipe and pippin says half a moment says pippin putting his hand inside the breast of his jacket he pulled out a little soft wallet on a string i keep a treasure or two near my skin as precious as rings to me here's one my old wooden pipe and here's another an unused one i have carried it a long way though i don't know why i never really expected to find any pipe weed on in the journey um Yeah, and so uh, I I find that's, like, very... This is is great for two reasons. So one is that um, Pippin is carrying, you know, close to his breast a... And, you know, it's explicitly called out like a ring. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's... But what he's carrying is two two pipes. So one for him and one for someone else. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that's very... And he calls it a treasure. And it's... What I really liked about this is that I think bad stories will often do character development right at the beginning, and then kind of say, "Okay, like now we have like explicitly said what our characters are like, and then they yeah. just follow the plot." Um, one thing that good stories do, and *Lord of the Rings* is a, you know, uh, an element of that set, mm-hmm. character development all the time. So, right, uh, we're always finding out about. Hobbits, um, like little pieces, but they just like you see this bigger picture through, like mm-hmm. seeing them from different angles all the time. Um, and this is just oh, yeah. yeah, like this is what's important to a hobbit. Um, one, it's like being able to smoke tobacco, and two, he uh, being able to do it with a, a friend, having a spare. Um,
1: hmm. Well, I think the timing of it's really cool too. So, or it's important at least. It's a, it's a sign of it being good, as you say. Um, you're right to say because I think. I agree with 100% that, that mediocre art telegraphs its character development. Maybe it just has it all at the beginning. Maybe it's your average typical television show, and it has to have it at the end of each episode. And then everybody gets to go online and say, like, I really love this show because I'm really enjoying the characters develop. But you're not really. It's so clearly telegraphed. I'm just not sure how you actually enjoy this, right? And it's just we know exactly, you know, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, et cetera. Mm you know we hear Lord of the Rings is beautiful because it's it's human. And things come up all of a sudden and you never think they would and it's not when you would ever imagine something would but there it is and it's this human element. And it's it's usually is brought on by the hobbits but not always too. I felt like in the last couple of chapters it of was Gimli and Legolas's game hmm. um with a little
0: their friendship maybe
1: unexpected. So yeah, I think it's what it's what sets the Lord of the Rings apart from I think lesser works. Even even things that I think are great like I always think the worst of this. I love this show. I love Parks and Rec. But it's terrible at this. Right? Every episode I know Parks and Rec is going to have a nice little you know character growth, aw shucks moment at the end of the it's episode. Kind of especially I know it's going to be between two characters that normally don't hang out and then they're going to hang out and then they're going to come to an understanding of each other. And that's the same thing like almost every episode. I love that show, but that's that's a weakness of it, right? That's not very effective. This this method is far more effective, but it's also far more uh inaccessible I guess I don't think I can see why people would be put off by it it's difficult it's messy just like life
0: yeah I agree with that and I also agree yeah parks it got especially bad with like with regards to that like near like after season 4 yeah know, like
1: yeah like halfway through it really just where the the characters like flouting your hard.
0: expectations <laughs> was happening more than them actually being like the characters they were you know purported to be this is all things yeah. considered, by the way. Oh, uh, right. uh, uh Let's see. Um, I had a note. I actually wanted to see um, what you thought about this. There's something interesting when Aragorn is talking about Saruman and how mm-hmm. how dangerous he is, even yes. in defeat. Just his ability to talk to anyone. He says, "Yes." Uh, even now that his that his weakness um, is you know exposed, he only trusts Gandalf, Aron, Elrond, and Galadriel. To even speak mm-hmm. to him and come out without being manipulated by uh, by Saruman's yes. cleverness, but there was a response to that from Pippin, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Pippin says he kind of contradicts him and he says uh, the ins are safe," um, said Pippin. He seems at once to have gotten oh he being Saruman he seems to at one time have got round them, but never again. And anyway, he did not understand them and he uh made mm-hmm. a great mistake of leaving him out. Uh yeah, I just thought that was interesting how the, the one that like yes, you get this image of Saruman still being a very dangerous like character and and you know, kind of a, a reason why it's not that he's going to call you know, call down a lightning bolt, but there's something about his you know, his persuasion that's is mm-hmm. very dangerous and but then I I thought the interesting part was Pippin contradicting or contradicting around here or um i'm getting
1: yeah. up. well you know, i think there's a couple of things there i i really love that description of sarman i feel like i've met people in life that are like that those sort of master manipulators so i totally bought into this i, I yeah, shoot like yeah I've, I've met a guy like that where i'm like i wouldn't talk to the guy if i were by myself mm. <laughs> you know because uh, i don't know what i'll be taught into from mm. him. so i thought that was just a good true to life thing and i think his Inability to understand the ends is sort of his own. Um, well, a couple things there. One, it's the Saruman representing industry and um, machinery and technology in its worst form, right? Which doesn't even understand like how it can affect other things. Yeah, uh, like the world around us, like the, like in this case specifically the natural world, but I think you could extend that to other stuff. People Tolkien had to live through these. You know, a uh, rapid industrialization of of Britain, sort of like the tail end of the to the second industrial of the second industrial revolution, and had to kind of see that, and maybe not see, maybe watch its proponents not see the ultimate effects. To fast forward to twenty eighteen, we can all sit here and say, like, shoot, none of us realized the effects of all the stuff we were doing on the natural world right now. Right. And I don't think Tolkien knew anything about climate change, but we do now and it's the same basic principle and the second thing this shows to me is that sort of the inherent problem of domination which is what Sauron and Saruman wants and what Tolkien thinks is ultimately what evil is just all about evil is about domination it's about controlling others and the problem with that is that there are too many factors in the world for you to ever be able to take into account all of them Saruman misses the Ents Sauron is going to miss a hobbit wanting to to destroy the rain. Right. like that they can't they can't see this stuff because there's just no way you have to be perfect to run that scheme to like fruition right and it's just ultimately going to be sort of self-defeating and you'll miss something
0: there's um on kind of the topic of these the big good and evil sort of uh conflict i think something interesting about this chapter we talked about when um oh uh shoot hold on Actually i think for a second. Um hey, what's the um just don't put this in the podcast. I try, what's the name of the elf that's uh
1: uh Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. um Oh uh,
0: no, it's not Gilgalad, it's um he is with the um Frodo and Sam and Strider when they um are confronted by the nine. His horse both does and does not have a um
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, Glorfindel. Glorfindel. I just have to think about it. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's just rewind that for a second. Um,
1: yeah, to- oh, definitely. Because yeah. yeah. um, that's embarrassing to forget Legolas. So, like
0: <laughs> we we talked about how Glorfindel, uh, when he is pursuing the nine, or when you when you first meet him, he talks about him pursuing and in, in, uh, the uh, nine riders. How that's a very like it's one of those moments where oh yeah, the forces of good have something very powerful about them. I think. This chapter also has uh, like a really great balance of feeling at feeling the sense of this like victory for good because of the ends Like it's very, very satisfying to hear the description of the ends tearing down uh, the walls of Isengard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, maintaining that sense of like peril uh, of the whole situation, where like whenever we hear like the writers of uh, of uh, the Rohirrim described, they annihilate. Works right so they you know they lose a couple men when they uh are on patrol and they find like where the works that were holding mary and pippin but you have this this great like sense of individual good forces being very strong but without losing the the sense of like peril of the entire situation of middle earth does that make any sense what i just said <laughs> um
1: i'm you lost it was <laughs>
0: very satisfying to read about the ends uh Tearing apart, okay, I didn't yeah. get that part that part I was believe um, yes but at, but at the same time, I still feel like I don't feel like, oh, now the in are here, everything's fine. We'll just march the ins into into Mordor and we'll be everything's great. um I still feel this sense of ultimate you know desperation of the you know of the the fate of the ring, but there are pockets of feeling great about the victories for uh the uh Forces of good. Mm. That being said, <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. So what else?
1: Speaking of, by the, well, hold up on the, the topic of forces of good, and this is a very loose connection to that, but something I was thinking about: we have here, I would argue, an interesting connection between forces of good and forces of evil, and it's not who you think. I think there is a connection here, some connection between the Ents and between the Barrow Whites. They're sharing something. And my evidence for that is this. Pippin reports that the song that the ents sing when they march to war is they say though isengard be strong and hard and this is the important part as cold as stone and bare as bone we go we go to war etc etc. We've heard similar lines to that. We've seen this cold as stone and bare as bone imagery uh, before, at least that connection of cold, bone, stone, all together. And I don't think that's just because they rhyme easily. Like That, that proximity to me is too, that's too much of a coincidence. I don't believe in it. The Barrow-Whites had their poem of cold be hand and heart and bone, and cold be sleep under stone. Yeah, it, it, I wonder if there's an interesting connection here. Why would the Barrow-Whites and the ends draw on the same images? Surely there are other images they can talk about um, in relationship relation to whatever they're singing about in the in the ends case Isengard. Um and it just makes me wonder if both the ends and bear whites are pretty old. Obviously the ends are even much older than they are, but I wonder if there's some Yeah, um they're they're both meant to sound a little like archaic even relative to the time of this story. Both of them kinda of share some past background that kinda of comes out in the kind of songs they sing.
0: Well they're both forgotten. Hmm. Right, you have the ends being mostly not even believed to be real and the mm. Barrow Whites are you know spirits that are from yeah battles long long ago yeah that's a good connection i didn't, I didn't think about that um let's see what else do we have here uh we're getting close to the end i think
1: we get some decent uh foreshadowing for scouring of the shire which will be the end of the entire novel so it's kind of cool to see it here but pippin sort of points out excuse me not pippin pippin has the the pipe weed which is basically tobacco and aragorn's like that's that seems strange because there's no way he could have that unless there's a sort of worm tongue unless there's a sort of worm tongue in the shire and you know dun 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 we're gonna find out at the end of the entire book that is what's happened and uh yeah we'll see that sort of pay off so i think it's cool that we're getting a little foreshadowing yeah a little Chekhov's gun action here, I think, right? You know what I'm talking about yeah. with that? Yeah, like if you see the gun, Has yeah. to come on. Well, Let's wrap this up. Favorite lines. Do you have one? I actually don't really, I guess. Maybe I'll, well, you go so, first, because I guess I'll pick one, but
0: still. I don't have a favorite prose line, but I do have something I thought was funny. So it's mm-hmm. when Pippin is talking about when he first meets Gandalf back after, yeah. Yes. And Gandalf says, um, or Pippin's talking says, Gandalf, I said at last, but my voice was only a whisper." Did he say, hello, Pippin, this is a pleasant surprise? No, indeed. He said, get up, you tomfool of a took. we in the name of wonder and all this ruin is treebeard. I want him, quick. Which I just think is very funny. Pippin being disappointed that the first time he sees Gandalf after he thought he was dead from, you know, sacrificing himself to fight a Balrog to save the company is not, hi, hey, Pippin, how are you doing? This is nice. It's, yeah. And what about you? Anything else?
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that moment.
0: That can be our, both of our favorite moments for this chapter, if you want to share it.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say, my favorite line would be something we talked about earlier with the description of Saruman and his manipulating abilities. So, when Aragorn describes him as, His knowledge was deep, his thought was subtle, and his hands marvelously skilled, and he had a power over the minds of others, the wise he could persuade, and the smaller folk he could taunt. Hmm. Good description. Powerful. I, I like the idea of his thought being subtle too. I think it's nice. I like that as well. Yeah.
0: Well, what do we have coming up next?
1: Uh next, yeah, what's next? Is it next finally the voice of Saruman? I think it might be.
0: Uh it, yes, is. it is.
1: So Book 3, Chapter 10, The Voice of Saruman coming up. So we're gonna get Saruman in the actual main narrative thread for the first time. I mean, not really. He was on the, he was um seen by Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli outside Fangorn like briefly. Right. right. Um but besides that this is actually the first time he's going to be here and uh communicate with us at least talk with us in the main th- narrative. So look forward to that. It's a good chapter. I'm excited. Probably have nothing to say now that I'm this saying probably that, be so. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> awful. So you Worst might want to skip ahead to book 4. I am excited to get to book 4 and we got a few chapters here yet but uh Book 4, well, wait, how many chapters do we have have to do this? Hold on. So
0: there are 10 in Book 4, and then we are on to...
1: Well, wait, but to get to Book 4, I mean, we only have uh, two chapters left. So
0: Voice of Saruman is the last one before Book 4.
1: No, Palantir. Yeah, you're right. It goes 10, 11. Yeah, so that's cool. We're almost done. I'm excited. Uh,
0: Well, okay, join us next time.